So today we're preaching on the church. What is it? What does it mean? What is it here for? What does it look like? And, um, and we're going to get into that. And I, I love this topic because I think the church has gotten quite a bad rap, actually, through history. And a lot of the reason for that is that God in his wisdom and mercy and grace has allowed men and women to build his church, which is incredible and a lot of trust on his part. But also, we're all kind of still a little bit broken and we get it wrong a lot of the time. Um, but nonetheless, you know, Ephesians 3 verse 10 to 11, what I love, so this chapter in my Bible is headed God's marvelous plan for the Gentiles. And, and so what is the church? Maybe let's just quickly go there. So Old Testament, you had the nation of Israel. They were God's chosen people. They were the nation that he decided would be his people. They were the guys who had the kind of special relationship, the connection with God. They were the Jews. They were the ones who actually had God's presence. They had his favor. He was their God. They were his people. They were the kind of the ones that received all of God's attention and affection and friendship. And we had these great guys, sort of all the patriarchs and these big dudes with massive callings and names and, and kind of relationships with God in the Old Testament. And then he does something crazy in the New Testament, which is for many, many years, the Jews have basically been God's chosen people, but they haven't been wholeheartedly serving him and loving him and giving their lives to him. Um, you know, like all of us, they've had great moments and really bad moments. And then eventually God's like, okay, cool. I'm opening this up to everybody, not just the Jewish nation anymore, not just Israel. And so this chapter in, in my Bible, Ephesians 3, verse 10 to 11, is titled God's Marvelous Plan for the Gentiles. And uh, I love that because Paul is actually talking about how the Gentiles, so the Gentiles are basically anyone who is not a Jew, okay? Anyone who's not part of Israel in that point in time. And Paul is talking about how the Gentiles are now heirs, fellow heirs with the Jews through what Jesus has done on the cross. So basically through the work of Jesus on the cross, all the non-Jews are now heirs, co-equal, um, same kind of inheritance as the, gen as the Jews if they call on him. And it says his intent, so Jesus's intent, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. The church is God's plan for a sick and dying world, for the rulers in the heavenly realms. The church is what's going to show the manifold wisdom of God. And that sounds amazing, but there are moments where I'm like, God, are you sure about this plan? Like, do you know us? Like, you've seen us. Come on, man. Like, how are we your plan to show your manifold wisdom to the world, and yet somehow, somehow it is. This is God's plan. And that is what the church actually is. The church is those who have been added together through the work of the cross. So super condensed, it's no longer just a nation that God has chosen. It is anyone who now chooses God is a disciple of his and essentially, you know, becomes part of the church. That's what the church is. And so this whole idea of salvation that we've been covering, um, the reason why we're all here, is not just so that we'd be saved from our sin, which is important. So getting, you know, what we've been saved from matters a lot, okay? Especially in like a case like mine where I was really messed up. Um, so I'm super grateful that I've been saved from that. 
but what's more important is actually what I've been saved into, and this idea of God's family. And so I love, you know, it's just a great example, um, and sorry if I've already flogged this analogy to death, but it's such a good one that I just can't stop using it, is if you look at our family, I've got three children, three different biological parents, three different backgrounds, um, and through what I've done, through my love, I have taken them all out of where they were, okay? So they were, well, except Jet, we kind of made him the old-fashioned way, but the other two, um, you know, so hey, maybe that's a good example. Jet is Israel in this analogy, okay? He's like part of my original plan. Um, but then I had these two other children who essentially I took them out of where they were, out of the lives, the backgrounds that they were born into, and that's great. Like, it's a great story. But imagine I just took them out of where they were and kind of dumped them somewhere else, and they just said, okay, cool, I got you out of that, off you go. No, the whole point is that I brought them out of where they were into something new. I brought them into my family. So through the work that I've now done out of love, they are saved from their old lives, but into something entirely new, which is this new family. And the point of it is family. The point of it is that they would have relationship with me, but through what I've done, they've got relationships with each other. Those three kids may never have met out in the, in the world, yet through what I've done, they are now family. And so this is the idea that we have in the kingdom, is that through what God has done, through him being the father and stepping in, he's added us all together, and we are now a family. And that is essentially what the church is. Um, but, you know, it's, it's quite weird. Like, in our culture today, everything is about me, looking after me first, making sure I'm sorted, my best life, my dream, my, 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 my. It's like the unholy trinity is me, myself, and I. And the church is very different. The church is actually about you, 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 each other, all together, kind of looking after each other. And so even for Joshua Generation Church, one of our kind of foundational scriptures, one of the things we're built on, is this thing in Acts 2. And so for those of you who've been here for longer than like five minutes, you'll know the scripture pretty well. But uh, for the rest of us, so it's it's Acts 2, 42, verse 44 to 45. So just a little bit of background. Jesus has been crucified. He's been raised from the dead. He's come. He's appeared to the disciples. Um, the Holy Spirit has come and has filled people. And essentially, the church is born in this moment. This is the first moment in history that the church is called the church. And it's this mixture of Jews and Gentiles and basically anybody who has believed in Jesus and the work he's done on the cross and who has been filled with the Holy Spirit, that is now what this church looks like. And I think it must have looked probably quite a lot like this. Lots of different colors and cultures and backgrounds, probably like a little bit disorganized, really noisy, but super full of life. And, and the Holy Spirit comes and then this church is born and this is what it looks like. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all of the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Okay, is that it? Um, okay, it says, They worshipped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Okay, does that sound like a few random oaks running around looking after themselves? It's like, no. 
It was this together, sharing meals, meeting in homes, together worshiping Jesus. Um, and they, they were a family. Like, what's that song? They're like, we are family. I got all my sisters and me. Imagine if it was like, I am family. I've got me and me and me. Like, that would just be lame. Imagine it was just like me trying to do this random thing on my own. It's like, no, the church is family. It's people together. Um, and so, yeah, for some of us, that sounds amazing. Like, for me, I love people. I love hanging out. That sounds awesome. For some of us who are like super introvert hermits, we're like, that sounds pretty terrifying. Um, but guys, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is made known. And so... In terms of what a church looks like, um, like any family, there is some structure, there's authority, there's a, you know, in our home, I am, always tell my boys, you guys watch that, um, what's that amazing video with Tom Hanks, that movie where he's like sailing the, the oil, no, 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 the one where he sails the, um, the oil cruiser thing and gets hijacked by the Somalians, and there's that cool Somalian guy who's like, I am the captain of this ship. And like I throw that line around with my boys when they're wigging out. I'm like, boys, I am the captain of this ship. And like they all know it. Um, but you know, like any family, there's structure, there's an authority. Um, it's, it's so, you know, I'm the dad, Ellie's the mom. So kind of me first, then her, then the kids is kind of the authority structure. And the same is true of the church. So ultimately, God is the head. He leads this thing. Um, he has delegated authority to me. Uh, but even there, like the authority and leadership in God's church is not actually this picture of like, in this case, like I'm not the captain of the ship. I'm actually its first servant. You know, and even as a dad, like I go out and I work really hard to make means for our family to survive. I provide for them, look after them, care for them, lead them, stay up late, get up early. I'm kind of, it's a position actually of service, of really laying down my life for my family, much like Jesus laid his life down for all of us, okay? And he is the king, and yet he lays down his life. And so even within the church, leadership is not this position of like, I am in authority and I'm lording it over everyone. It's like, no, I carry responsibility, yes, but actually it's a position of service. It's more about you and the body moving forward together than it is about me. Um, so the church... Uh, called the Ecclesia. It's a gathering of the called out ones. It's a gathering of those who have been saved, who have accepted Jesus as their Savior. Um, so that's kind of what we are, is those who've accepted Jesus as our Savior. We are now a family. Um, but it's also, it's an assembly. It's the getting together. So this is church, okay, on a Sunday. It's kind of the whole family gets together. We hang out. We worship Jesus um, and that's the point, actually, is to come here and be with Jesus. It's like, you know, once a week you get together in Dad's home and you share a meal and Dad is there. That is the whole point of this, is that Dad is there. It's like if my kids just have family dinner and I'm not there, it's kind of pointless. I mean, they'll have some good food, but ultimately the point is that they would know me. And so that is what this is. This is the us getting together as a family and really celebrating and loving Jesus together. It's kind of the big celebration. And, you know, the church, so we've got the universal church, which is basically anyone in the whole wide world who's saved and given their hearts and their lives to Jesus. Um, and so those are kind of the really extended, like, cousins and family and people out there. Um, but then there's the local church, which is this, which is the community of believers. It's the little nuclear family. This is, this is like the me, Ali, Eli, Ezra, and Jet. 
the family with immediate responsibility towards each other, loving and caring and looking after each other. But I find with church, it's the whole point of church, the whole way it started, the kind of cornerstone that binds it all together is this person, Jesus. It's him. And so often churches kind of happen and it's actually not about Jesus anymore. It's about the man up front or it's about, you know, me coming with my need to be met or it's, I don't know, me getting my glory or my opportunity to like exercise my great, you know, piano skills or whatever. Um, We're actually like the foundational thing is that it's about Jesus. It's about actually he's the one who put it together. It was his marvelous plan for the Gentiles through what Jesus did on the cross. We are actually all co-heirs and inheriting in this thing together, but it's him. And so even like, you know, if you've been around for a while, we have this prayer meeting in the morning. And even for me, that prayer meeting is not like, oh dear Lord Jesus, please help this day not be a total failure. It's like, that's not what it is. It's like, no, Jesus, actually, we're here for you. We'd love right from the start. Like, Jesus, what's on your heart? You are the guest of honor. You are the one we're here for. You are the one who's made this incredible thing even possible. We want to give it back to you. Like, come in, Jesus. What do you have for today? And it's about him. Um, whereas many churches, it feels like that's kind of not the focus. Um, and so the reason I'm so passionate about the church is that because what we get saved into is going to determine what our relationship with Jesus looks like because he's the head of the family. And so if our family is super messed up and dysfunctional, like what is our walk and our relationship with Jesus and with each other going to look like? So what is church for? Like why is it here? Why do we do this thing? Why have we all taken time out of a Sunday to come and be together? Why do we take time out on a Wednesday to get together. Why do, and I mean, those are just kind of the two main official family times in a week. But outside of that, there's a lot of us hanging out together and like, why do we do this? Are we all just desperately lonely and have nothing better to do with our time? For some of us, that's cool. Like, that's okay. If that's your reason for being here, it's great. Like the Bible talks about God adding the lonely to family. Family is primarily there to meet your need for fellowship. So church is there to give us a sense of identity and a sense of belonging. Um, I love that saying. I love misunderstood phrases. So we've all heard the one that blood is thicker than water. Okay, to most of us that means my family is more important than anything else. Did you know that that's not the full saying? The full saying is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. So what that means is that the commitment I have made carries more weight than the water of the womb, than the blood relation that I was born into. Wild, eh? So actually, like this family responsibility that I have here, in some ways carries more weight than my own blood relation, in some senses. But actually, this is a covenant. It's a commitment that we've entered into as a body And again, this is not like you sign into this church and you now have a lifetime membership and you may not leave. Like that is not at all kind of the heart of it. A lot of churches are like, man, you're in. You better be in here for life. I'm like, no, no, no. You're in here because Jesus is the head. But Jesus isn't just in this church. He's in many other churches. So if Jesus is moving you, if the Holy Spirit is asking you to go somewhere else or there's something either that you need to 
break open in another area or he's got for you in another church, I go. I'll never hold you back if it's what the Holy Spirit is doing. But the blood of the covenant, the commitment we've made to each other is super important because it's a commitment actually to God. And so this has become like our people, like these are now your people. This is now your family if you've joined with us. And Ali loves to tease me because I always like the Fs. She says, I always pray in the Fs, which is friends, food, and fellow and family. Um, but in this case, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go friendship, fellowship, and family. Still the same Fs. Um, but within the church like this is where we find these things, this friendship, fellowship, family. When I first joined church, I, was, I came because I was lonely. I was like struggling to find friends. I was like, man, I know those church people. Like, they've got to be nice to me. I'm serious. I came to church just to make friends. I was lonely. And I came and I joined a church. And it was epic. I made a few friends and it was awesome. Um, and then kind of church grew and I moved to another church and I landed up in another church where I actually didn't have friends again. You know what I did? It was weird. But one day this guy was preaching and he was basically saying, listen, if you're here and you're lonely, there's something wrong with us as a family. And we want to help you. So if you're here and you're lonely, tell us, and we'll help you. And I actually did that. I went to him. I'm like, bro, I am. And he's like, cool, can I be your friend? That sounds weird. Like, often we wait for, like, the natural chemistry and, like, we're vibing on the same thing. I was like, no, dude, I'm lonely. Will you be my friend? And he was like, yeah, I'll be your friend. And then he was my friend. And then he introduced me to more friends. And then I became suddenly this person with a lot of friends. But I was lonely. And so I came to church. And I found friendship, and it was beautiful. And in that, it was actually the best kind of friendship because the thing that most mattered to me, the person of Jesus, was the thing that we had in common. And that was beautiful. And, you know, I love it this morning. I always wonder if the guys in the prayer meeting read my notes before. But one of the big scriptures I wanted to preach out was out of John 13, verse 14 to 15. And it is this picture of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Um, and I love this picture because, you know, we think, like, Rice was talking this morning about how, like, sometimes our feet are, like, stinky and sweaty and, you know, we wash them. And, but, man, we've all got, like, socks and shoes. Generally, I think our feet these days are in quite good condition, um, you know, most of us. But back in, like, in these days, it was like guys were walking around in sandals. There were no socks. There were no closed shoes. You were walking around in the dust. Um, what often used to happen is there also weren't really toilets. So often you had a thing called a slop bucket, which was a bucket full of slop, and that would get kind of turfed out into the roads, and that would dry, and then that became dust. And so often you were walking around, and like the dust that was on your feet was surf. It was quite gross. Um, and your feet were like cracked. I don't know if those oaks had Vicks back then, um, Vaseline or whatever. But your feet were surf. And so when you came into a house, you would take your sandals off. And so for someone to get down and actually wash your feet was quite a... It was like a very humbling thing. And also you were quite like insecure because you're like, dude, I know where I've been walking. Like I've been walking for days in these sandals. These, I, I know what's on my feet. But anyway, Jesus gets down and he washes the disciples' feet. But I love what he says because what Jesus is always doing is saying, listen, this thing that I've done for you, this thing I've brought you into is not just for you, it's for them. Like my boys. Yes, I've brought each one of my three boys into a relationship with me. But through that, they've got a duty to each other. 
to love each other as I have loved them. And so in John 13, verse 14 to 15, it says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, and I love this, he's very, he's clarifying who he is. He's like, I'm God, I'm your Lord, I am your teacher, and I have washed your feet. You also should watch, wash one another's feet. And he says, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. So I love that. Jesus is not like saying, hey, you guys all go out there and love each other. I'm going to chill here. He's like, no, what you've seen me do, the way I've loved, love each other like that. Does your church look like that? If not, we've got a problem. Because it needs to. Later on, I love it in verse 34 to 35. It says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this blows my mind. He says, by this, they will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That is the defining attribute of a disciple, of a follower of Jesus. How do we love one another? And so do you see how much emphasis Jesus is actually placing on this idea of a church, of a community, of a fellowship? It's like it is not just about the work that I did on the cross. Yes, I did those things, but it was for a purpose. It was so that you would take what I've done and you would be Jesus to each other. And by that, we will be known as his disciples. And so that is where we're going to find friendship and fellowship. Like worship this morning was insane. I loved it. You know, I don't have the same kind of experience worshiping Jesus on my own in my room. I just don't. I know some people do. They like put on a song and they're like, there's like gold dust. And like, I don't get that. I think maybe it's part of his design for me. It keeps me in community because I do have a bit of a lone ranger bend to me. But I experience something different in worshiping Jesus when I worship him with you. It's beautiful. And so that is like fellowship with my family and with the dad. That's epic. And that's cool. It's another way to express our love for God is actually through church, through how we relate to each other. It's quite a scary scripture. Oh, come on, I just saw Big Mike sent me a happy Father's Day WhatsApp. Hey, love that guy. Um, but church is, is a way to express our love for God. So scary scripture, 1 John 4, verse 20 to 21. It says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, and by brother, they don't mean your physical brother. It's those added into Christ. He's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So loving brothers is actually an expression of our love for God. Loving each other within the church is an expression of our love for God. They're hand in hand. His own word says, if you can't love each other, who you can see, how are you going to love God? Church is also a beautiful place to be able to bless others with our gifts. 
And what I love about that is often we don't even know we had these gifts. Did you know you could play the keyboard, JJ? Till how long ago? Okay, six, seven months. This dude never knew he could play the keyboard. Now he's up here leading us into the presence of the Lord in worship. Would you have discovered that gift if not within church? Maybe. But probably not. And so within church, like, I love it. Like, guys, even this thing, like, leading a church, I never, ever saw this. I was not. I was at, like, Broken Oak with major, like, self-confidence issues. And enough people kept saying to me, Adam, like, we see leadership on your life. We see it on your life. And I was like, rubbish. You guys are just trying to be nice Christians. But then when enough different people start saying it, I'm like, okay, maybe, hey, maybe, like, maybe there's some leadership on my life. And so I started leading a home group. And I wobbled. I'd sucked at it like quite hard for the first little while. But there were guys who saw a gift and saw a thing. And so they coached me and called it out. And like I grew into something that God had actually put there. And that home group grew. And then I led another home group. And then I came onto eldership. And then I led people. And now I lead a church. I never saw that in myself. And I would never have gone after it in myself if not for other people calling it out in me. So within the family, we get these opportunities to grow, to have our gifts called out, to be encouraged, to have a safe place to even like try stuff and wing it and sometimes fail and grow and be shaped. Like Kevin leading a meeting this morning. It was epic. Well done. But I mean, you are a guy with a massive leadership call. And so now within this setting, like you get to grow and have that called out in you. But it's also a place for us to bless each other with our gifts. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 12 says, So it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those things that build up the church. Your gift is in you, not just for you. It is to build up the church. A guy like Howard Fivey, like massively talented musician and creative guy. And yet he's taken that gift and he's built up the church. He's built up a worship team amongst us. He's helped us write new songs as our own little unique expression of love and worship to our king. It's like it's a great example of a guy who's actually taken a gift that's in him and he probably could make very good money out in the world just in his industry. And actually, he's like, no, 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 this is given to me by God. So I'm going to put it where God would want it, which is within the church. And I love that because just as Jesus, he was righteous. Jesus was holy. He was perfect. He was the son of God. And yet he takes that righteousness and he says, you know what? Even this is for my church. I will lay down my righteousness. One of the most terrifying, um, I'm not terrified, but one of the scriptures that just, you know, he talks about um, he became sin, actually, when he was killed when he was murdered on the cross he actually became sin he took on the sin of the world and it says he drank the cup of God's wrath to the last dregs and I mean it's a horrible picture but I some of you guys will know the story about the sewage explosion in the back of our house like they were working on our drains and I've got a manhole under my dining room floor which I didn't know about and it erupted sewage out of my dining room floor, like a nice little sewage fountain, like a meter high, just all the filth of Brooklyn. Seriously, all the filth of Brooklyn was in my dining room. And I, as this happened, like I, I was, guys, it was so bad, man. It stank, it looked 
sif. It was running everywhere. It was like under cupboards. I just looked at this and I was like, I was horrified. I was horrified by what I saw. And, but in that moment, Jesus actually spoke to me. He's like, you know, Adam, when I, when I died on the cross for you, I took that bucket and I drank it. It was like, imagine taking a bucket of that sewage and drinking it. Like, it is disgusting. And in that moment, I was like, Jesus, I've been a Christian for a long time. I think I've just understood now what you did on the cross for me. That he drank to the very dregs the cup of God's wrath. All my sin, all my filth. He took it on himself. He took his righteousness, his holiness, his perfection. He laid it down and he took my sin so that I could actually live a righteous, holy, blameless life. So if Jesus can do that for the church, like how much more should we take the things that he's given us to give to the church? You might think you have nothing to give, but um, got a friend, a guy called Mark, big, strong guy who was the face of USN bodybuilding products for a long time, fit, strong, staunch guy. Um, but he had a night terror the one night and ran out of his dining room. And as he ran past the table, he kicked it and he broke his little pinky toe. Smallest little part of your body. Tell you what, when that thing's not there, when that thing doesn't work, your whole body knows about it. Suddenly he was like, my pinky toe has a contribution to the body that's important. Turns out your pinky toe is actually super important for balance, especially on your instep. But anyway, like even if your gift is the smallest, it matters. And especially to Jesus, when he looks at our littlest offerings, those things are precious to him. They're treasured. And actually, I was the guy who had nothing to offer outside of what God in his kindness and his grace did to me. Another thing that is beautiful about the church, I didn't give you the scripture, so I'll just read it. But actually within church, we receive encouragement and correction. And those are very important things. I um, got an awesome Afrikaans friend, a guy called Divan, and Afrikaans are very politically correct. Okay, They don't like to come directly at things a lot of the time. So we were at church once, and he walks up to me and he's like, Adam, Das as op your schooner. So if you don't know what that means, it means, Adam, there's ash on your shoe. I looked down, I was like, bro, there's nothing on my shoe. Turns out, after a bit of inquiring, what he was telling me was actually my fly was down. It's like, Adam, your zip's down. Which is quite like I'm grateful that he told me. It's like, yeah, it may be a little bit embarrassing in the moment. But imagine I walked around the whole day with my zip down. It could have been awkward. Actually, in that moment, he came and he corrected me, not for the sake of like, Adam, you really bad person, your zip's down. It's like, hey, Adam, like there's something you should address for your sake and for ours. Please pull up your zip. But actually, within church, we, we encourage and we correct each other. Hebrews 3 verse 13, it says, encourage one another daily as long as the day is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You know what a blind spot is? Something you don't see. But everyone else does. And I've got blind spots, you've got blind spots. 
What I love about them is we don't see them. We need other people to actually come and say, hey, Adam, in this area of your life, your zip's down. That's not unkind. When you do that to me, it's super helpful. It is amazing. Like one of our girls in our church actually came to me the one day and said, Adam, sometimes when people say things, um, like I said something, and you, you actually didn't take the time to hear me. You reacted to what you thought I said. And I was like, you're right. I didn't see it until he said it. And now that you said it, I'm so grateful because actually I don't want you to think that I don't hear you or listen to you. Like, I love it that you did that. That helps me to love you better. Helps me to listen better. Helps me to serve you better. I would not have seen that if not for someone saying it to me. It was a blind spot of mine. And hopefully I've addressed it. If I haven't, come talk to me again afterwards. Um, but we're here actually to build up and encourage and help each other so that we could all grow into the fullness of what God has called us to. And so, again, we come back to this thing that salvation is not just about being saved from the world. It's actually about being saved into something new, being changed, being shaped, being added to a family, being able to grow in a safe, loving, protected environment where we're encouraged and corrected, having our gifts and our talents and our destinies called out and supported by each other. And the reality is that God has made us to need each other. Even God, by his own nature, is community. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three distinct separate persons and personalities in perfect unison and unity operating together. And so God is community. He's built us for community, and that community is called the church. And that's why we're here. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here doing what I do. It's not because I get anything out of it other than I believe with all my heart that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is going to be made known to the powers and the principalities, to the rulers, to the world. And so, you know, even in doing this foundations course, the, the idea behind it is that we want to grow our family. Like there are a lot of guys who have been visiting for a long time and like we're super excited to have people add and come and join and officially, like I adopted my children, get like adopted into the family, officially new birth certificate kind of stuff. But you need to know if you're coming, like this is what the church is. It's actually not just I go to church because my parents go to church. or I go to their church because they go there. It's like, no, actually the church is about the person of Jesus first and foremost, and then about us. So are you part of something healthy? Are you part of something that looks like this? It looks like that Acts 2.42, a devotion to fellowship, to worship, to each other, to the apostolic teaching, to the breaking of bread, meeting in homes. Because that really is what we're after. That's the model that we're building on. I really felt some even on that loneliness thing. Eh? It's amazing if you speak to people how many people actually are lonely? Often, even within us. And I wanted to encourage you, like if you are feeling lonely, you just want support, love, friendship, tell us. Do what I did. Our guys, it felt weird. Very weird to walk up to another man and say, bro, I'm lonely, will you be my friend? Literally felt like grade one all over again. 
But it was beautiful. It was like, he was like, yeah, dude, I'll be your friend. And he was. And Wolsey's still my friend. <laughs> yeah. No, but seriously, man. And really, like within this, guys, even for me, hey, like I don't want to just be the guy who preaches and you never see me. Like some of you become really good, like Ketia, Komal, Kevin, Andre. Like guys have become not just members of the congregation. They become like friends. They've become family to me. And it's beautiful. Like, I treasure and I value those things. And that is actually for all of us. And it's not just about me and you. It's actually that we're united by this person, Jesus, who's done this incredible work on the cross, has built this incredible miracle called the church.